Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. We place all these expectations on things we want to do and see and experience because we saw someone else doing it. And then we get there and it's different versus just being open to what could happen. I find that when I'm open to what could happen, I almost always end up doing something that I'd never dreamed of. Do I do all these things or should I stick with this lifestyle that's so great and comfortable in theory, or do I do the thing that my soul really wants me to do? There you go. A couple clips from my interview today with Rachel Hill. We had a wonderful wide ranging conversation. We talk about her experience growing up in one of the bigger tourism towns and how that may have affected her desire to travel. We talk about getting gaslighted by your own family and friends inadvertently. They are doing it out of love. I don't know if this is something you've experienced or even thought of, but you'll hear us touch on that topic. We talk about Rachel's experience solo backpacking through Southeast Asia, and she gives some incredible safety tips as well in regards to solo travel. We talk about some of the different layers involved in the travel experience, as you'll hear, some things that I hadn't really thought about in that way before. She gets into her online business experience as well, running a location-independent business, shares how people with smaller, more engaged social media audiences can still make a living doing something they love. We get into her online business origin story, which, funny enough, started offline. I love that. And Rachel also shares some memorable experiences from her 70 plus countries of travel. One surprising one that took place near where I live. So you have to tune in to hear about that and much more. I've also got a couple shout outs to some listeners in the community and a little commentary on what to do if you're grown up, but still don't know what you want to do when you grow up. Maybe you're there. Maybe you've been there. I feel like uh, maybe I'm there all the time in some way, shape, or form. Anyway, I have a little chat about that and much more. It's all in this episode today. So I want you to buckle up, strap in, get comfortable, grab your favorite beverage. If you're listening to this while you're moving your body, maybe you're on the treadmill or doing something else, then, you know, relax. Take a deep breath. Enjoy a little you time. Thanks for being here. And welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. 
now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. Welcome, my friend. How are you? Where are you? What are you up to? Summer is officially here in the Northern Hemisphere, at least yesterday at the time of this recording was what they call the longest day of the year, right? The summer solstice, solstice, the first official day of summer, which in Norway, where I live, is quite a lot of daylight. At least it would have been if it wasn't raining, but it is a magical time. The light sticks around. It's like 11 o'clock and you're still kind of in, not daylight, but sort of twilight. It's 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 kind of wild. And I'd say one of my favorite times of the year, I went to the city the other day. We First of all, we got a lot to cover in this episode, as you heard on the top. This interview with Rachel is so awesome. She's such a wonderful person. And we covered a ton. And it's always surprising in many ways how just choosing travel leads to so many different things in life. And really, for somebody who loves travel, it, it, it comes down to taking a look at it from the bigger picture. It's It comes down to choosing what you love, choosing to do something that you love, that you enjoy embracing it, figuring out a way to make it happen. All of those things that are satisfying about chasing a dream, I feel, right? And for some people, it's not about travel. But for us here in this community, it's something that we love or that we're doing or that we want to do, depending on who you are, where you're listening. And just choosing that is almost like choosing yourself, giving yourself permission to really accept that you have these dreams in life and say, hey, this is okay. Not only is it okay to have these dreams, but I'm also going to actively pursue them, which is a whole other muscle in itself. And I've talked about this on the show before. So anyway, if you're choosing travel or considering choosing travel, whatever that means to you, long-term, short trip, full-time, whatever, choose it. Magical things happen when you get on that path or choose the thing that you want to choose that you're considering. Anyway, that's my little uh, soapbox rant for you before we get into today's show. Yeah, I went down to the city the other day to meet my friend Josh, who's actually been on the podcast before, and we had a blast. He has this friend that has a practice space. They play in a band here in Oslo where I live. All the walls were draped in black sheets and it was totally dark in there. It was a nice sunny day in Norway and we went into this dark black hole and we switched between drums and guitar and just totally jammed out and it was a blast and it was just cool to be out and about because we went out for a bite to eat afterwards at a food truck and just sat in a park by this church and people are out doing things. The vibe is there. I feel like uh, we're really coming out of the other end in some ways, at least uh, where we are right now. And I know it's not going as well in other countries. So I'm thinking so much about other people that are still struggling with this whole pandemic. And I know that there are some places that are opening up and people starting to travel as well. And my dad and my stepmom are actually out on the road right now, traveling around in their RV. I guess the apple doesn't fall too far <laughs> from the tree. And my mom's starting to think about a trip over here in the fall, which would be really nice because she hasn't seen her grandkids in uh, too long, 
almost two and a half years. And, you know, everybody has their own story getting through this. So anyway, uh, no point here other than just to let you know, hey, wherever you're at, thinking about you, hope you're doing well. And I just appreciate your presence here. Uh, Stick around, by the way, for the back end of this interview. I'm going to talk a little bit about that situation we can find ourselves in sometimes when we are grown up, but we feel like we still don't know what we want to do when we grow up. (laughs) It's a funny thing. Stick around for that and a couple shout outs as well to some wonderful souls in this community. And I'll leave you with an inspiring quote as well. Now, let's get into the interview with Rachel and I will see you on the other side, my friend. So you are in Playa del Carmen. I am in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Um, That is where I live most of the year. Um, I've been living here off and on for about two years. Um, And I'm originally from Florida. So typically I like to come back and forth to visit family and friends, order stuff on Amazon that I can, you know, pick up that I can't, you know, get (laughs) in Mexico. Um, So things like that. Yeah. Yeah. What part of Florida did you grow up? So I am from Central Florida, so from Orlando, Florida. So I've actually grown up around tourists my entire life. And I think um, that kind of started my thirst for travel and also just interest in people and other cultures as well. Um, You know, growing up, I went to Disney all the time. So going to Epcot Center and they have like, you know, the, I think it's called the World's I forget what it's called, but, you know, they have all the countries there. So I used to love doing that growing up. And then in high school, I started working at Universal Studios. Um, And so I was always exposed to people from countries that I'd never heard of before. And then I would get so intrigued, like, really, where is that? How long was your flight? You know, what language do you speak? Um, And so it was kind of this natural curiosity. Um, And then when I was able to start traveling, it just once it bit me, it's been nonstop ever since. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. I mean, growing up in a tourist town like that, I mean, it's a big city, so it's much more than a tourist town, but it's, it's one of the biggest biggest. destinations for a lot of people on the planet. Actually, um, Disney is like one of the biggest, well, Orlando, Disney, Universal, SeaWorld, all of these attractions. Um, one of the biggest tourist destinations in the world. So yeah, it's a lot of different people all the time. Yeah, I had uh, the fortune of working as a custodial host at Epcot Center. That means I I, I, I was the guy walking around. So you know what I'm talking about, exactly. Yes, (laughs) yes. I did it one summer. I had the white uniform and I swept up cigarette butts and trash and collected trash and and did trash runs. And it was a lot of trash. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm sure that was miserable, especially in the heat. (laughs) Oh, it was so hot. But... I mean, I, I can imagine growing up there because I, I know what you mean. Yeah, you're meeting, I forget what they call the countries area in Epcot, which is sad because I worked at Epcot. But the, the people that work in those areas are from those countries. So then you're meeting people from different countries and there are people working at Disney from all over the world. It's, it's, it's a very international place, uh, which is kind of odd to say. It seems so, you know, Disney is so kind of 
I don't know. Cookie cutter. It's like this kind of fairy tale. But I do appreciate that about, you know, about Disney is that they do have people from all over. So if you go to Japan, you know, where in the, I think it's called the World Center. I'm going to have to Google that to figure out the name of that place. Um, (laughs) But, you know, even just chatting with people who are actually from Japan and they say, oh, I'm from this little small town and they tell you about their, their town and, you know, all these things. So I really, really enjoyed it. Mm. Well, let me give you a quick introduction because I see we're already going to start jamming on all these topics, so. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is what it's all about, right? Mm-hmm. I am on the line with Rachel Hill at 27 years old. She retired from a six-figure career in information technology to travel the world indefinitely. She then started a successful travel blog called racheltravels.com. After six years of nonstop travel in 2019, Rachel decided to retire, quote unquote, once again, as a travel influencer and now runs a marketing agency helping travel influencers, consultants, and agencies create and launch high-ticket digital products. She's been named one of the 11 influential black women in travel you should know by Travel Noir. And we are lucky to have her here on the podcast right now. So Rachel, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Thank you so much, Jason. <laughs> what an awesome intro. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Well, you, I mean, a lot of it was from your websites. You wrote most of it. But, I know, but hearing um, it, I'm like, okay, that actually sounds great. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I do rock. Um, <laughs> and you do. So you also have another website I will mention. It's rachelvhill.com. Yeah, well, I want to get into some of the work stuff and get some of your advice and expertise around digital marketing and things like that. But I kind of want to stay on travel a bit more because you mentioned being based in Playa del Carmen. I'm just wondering, outside of the proximity to Florida, why did you choose Playa del Carmen specifically? I mean, a lot of places in Mexico, Central America. What do you like about living there? For sure. So actually, before I moved to Mexico, I lived in South Africa. Um, Oh, really? And yeah, and I loved, I lived in Johannesburg and I loved living there. Um, but you know, it's such a long flight. (laughs) If anybody's ever traveled from the States to the continent of Africa, the, the shortest flight is like 17 hours, I think from New York to, to South Africa. And, you know, it was just becoming a little difficult to transition back and forth, um, just from sheer exhaustion, right. Of the time zones and, and that sort of thing. So I decided to come back um, stateside and spend a little bit of time with my family. Cause at this point I have been traveling almost nonstop for about six years. Um, and then I realized coming back to the States, I had a little bit of a culture shock, maybe like a reverse culture shock. Things moved much faster than, you know, they did in a lot of places I traveled. Summer 2019, my, a friend of mine just said, Hey, you know, I'm going to be traveling. Do you want to st- house it for me. (laughs) And I was like, sure, you know, you're right by the beach. Why not? You know, Florida is is hot. I'm not by the beach here in Orlando. I'm about 30, 40 minutes. Um, And so that's actually how I ended up there. Um, And then just being there for the summer, I just love the vibe. I met friends. It was kind of one of those things where you just land um, with no expectation. And then it just kind of became something. Um, And so then once the pandemic um, happened, I just kind of was like, oh, that was a good place to be. I'm by the beach. I already have friends. Um, and being here in Florida, I hadn't lived here since I was 18. So I didn't have many friends. And, you know, the friends I did have, life changed. Um, and so I just decided it was easier, much cheaper. Um, my, my lifestyle was more in alignment with being in Mexico 
more full-time than being here. So nothing super exciting. Um, it wasn't like some divine thing. It was just kind of like, oh, this is cool. So yeah. I find that, you know, what you said about kind of landing with no expectations, that is mm -hmm. a lot of times that leads to the best experiences. Absolutely. Feel, right. Maybe it's because you're just not, you're not layering any ideas onto what this may or may not be. You're just like taking it for what it is. Right. Exactly. And I, I agree with you, Jason, like the times that I've, you know, researched these destinations and be like, I'm so excited to go and to see an experience and then you get there and the lines are super long or some snafu happens and you're just like, this is awful. This is miserable. Um, you know, you, I think once we place expectations and this is true for life, right? Like we place all these expectations on things we want to do and see and experience because we saw someone else doing it. And then we get there and it's different versus just being open to what could happen. Um, I find that when I'm open to what could happen, um, I always, almost always end up doing something that I'd never dreamed of. And a quick example of that is, you know, I went to Egypt with a group of friends and somehow we ended up in these people's wedding. Like, yeah, our taxi driver, we told them that we wanted to go to a party or to a club or something like that. And we ended up at a wedding and dancing with a family, the family, the bride, the groom, the aunts, the uncles, the cousins, everyone for like the rest of the night. And, you know, my friends and I laugh about it sometimes about how we're like on their wedding video because, you know, they were like recording. And you can see the screen and we're like dancing in a circle with these people. And so just those sort of experiences where you don't say, I want to go to an Egyptian wedding. You're just kind of like, oh, let's see what happens. And then boom, you're in an Egyptian wedding type of thing. Yeah. How sweet is that? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's their wedding day, right? They're just like, sure, come on in, whoever. It's all good. Yeah, come. And everyone's <laughs> like, you know, they're grabbing our hands. They're, you know, we're dancing in a circle, doing a lot of traditional dances, eating food, taking pictures. It was really awesome. So I think just being open to those sorts of things, obviously being intuitive and being safe right? Like, let me put that disclaimer out there. Um, but just being kind of open to those experiences, to those people, to different people, languages, food, those things are, they kind of open up, you know, your world a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned being safe and that's, that's important, but also there's this element of trust, right? Like you don't have those experiences unless you go for them, open yourself up, but then actually make the journey or, you know, follow the stranger down the the, the alley to find the <laughs> exactly. awesome place. You know, it sounds... Just to say yes, yeah. you know, just say yes and see what happens, right? Yeah. Sometimes it feels crazy in the moment and maybe sometimes it is, I don't know. But yes, my experience be. at least usually turns out good. Can we rewind a little bit and talk about where you were when you were in information technology? Because that's a pretty secure job, well-paying. It's it's almost like in that role, you can imagine like the definition of, hey, like comfortable, you know, good. Secure, yes. Um, yeah, yeah, all that. So, you know, I, I think I did not think, I, I kind of followed the trajectory that we're told to follow, uh, especially here in the States, or probably most of the Western world, right? Like you graduate, you go to a university, you do well, you graduate from university, top of the class, and then you go get your good job and you kind of live out the American dream, if you will, right? Um, and for me, I, I did all of those things 
in about five or six years working in corporate and, and you're right, I was working in IT, um, very lucrative career. By the time I was in my mid twenties, I was making six figures. I was, I lived in New York. I lived in Philadelphia. Um, I was still traveling, but I was miserable as hell. Like I was depressed. I had anxiety. Um, you know, and I just remember thinking, I'm not sure if I can do this for another 30 years. <laughs> I think it'll kill me before, um, you know, bef- before I can even make it that far. Um, and of course, I was younger, so I didn't exactly know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I was really good at my job. And I loved, I actually loved what I was doing. I just didn't love what I was doing on someone else's terms. Um, and again, I, I think that just kind of played into, you know, just a bit of anxiety and, and depression about like, you know, dictating, you know, when I had to be to work, you know, fighting with traffic, the commute, you know, living in the Northeast, commuting. And I'm from Florida, so we don't have the same type of traffic. And it was just like a a lot of inputs. And again, I was just like, I don't know if I want to do this for 30 years. And I also felt, you know, I'm young enough at at this point, and this is my 20 something year old self. It was kind of like one of the dumbest and best things I've ever done. But at the time I'm like, you know, I'm in my mid twenties, I'm young, I'm not married. I don't have children. I don't have a dog. Um, I don't have any, anything really holding me back or uh, any attachments at this point. And I, you know, just said, maybe I should just do my own gap year, right. Um, travel for a little bit. And then once I get this out of my system, then I can come back and continue, you know, pick up the dream and, and continue on. And, then I just decided to do that, just that thing. Um, of course, my family and friends thought I was insane. You know, you're leaving your good job at your this great company. I worked at big in big pharma. Um, you know, great company, great job, great apartment, great, great, great. Like, what? Why are you giving up all of these things? Um, and so I, I gave them gave them up, and I started backpacking through Southeast Asia. And at the time, this is uh, 2014. So Instagram was a fairly new platform. Um, Also, being a young Black woman backpacking solo through Southeast Asia was not a a story that was quite common, especially from a social perspective and sharing this journey. Um, And so I just decided, you know, I'll just share on Instagram and, you know, this is cool. You can take pictures. There's filters on it. Like, that seems cool. Um, And then I started the blog, Rachel Travels, because I was exhausted of sharing my story with my parents, with my siblings, with my friends, like, you know, trying to repeat over and over and over again, you know, yeah, I was just like, (laughs) you know what, I'm going to write it all down, post some photos, and then you all can just read about it. And then when we chat, you can ask me more specific questions. So it was more so like a, just kind of like a a journal, if you will. And then I could kind of speak to it. But then from there, like I said, um, because there weren't very many women like me with this experience, my blog kind of grew and it, and it kind of blew up because again, it was kind of like, wow, you gave up this, this really secure and comfortable life to do what? To backpack by yourself, to stay in a hostel in, in, in the heat, you know, people really couldn't understand it. Um, but it was really one of the best things I could have done. And that just opened up a whole new world of, you know, traveling to, I've been to 70 plus countries. So traveling all over the world, working with brands, 
um, being able to use my marketing expertise. So I actually have a, a marketing background, but I ended up working in IT, doing marketing in IT. Um, and so being able to take all the skills that I had um, from a corporate perspective, from an expertise perspective, merge it with my passion of travel, and then just created this really dope brand that allowed me to live and live and experience a life that I didn't even think was possible for me. So hopefully that inspires somebody, you know, to yeah, do what you want to I mean, do. <laughs> well, you made it possible just by taking the action and doing it, right? Uh, that's incredible. It sounds like the the anxiety and the depression you were feeling when you were... I mean, that's that's the hard thing, right? Because if everybody around you is telling you, well, everything's so great. And then right. it's almost like gaslighting, right? Like no offense right. to family and friends, but you're like, you start to question like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess it, it is, is great. kind of great. Yeah. I should, should I give this up? You know, and you start questioning your own, what's in your own soul that's basically saying, this is not great. Like I can't do this for 30 years, like you were saying. And it sounds like it's not just the job or the work, but it's really the lifestyle around it, right? You're kind of like the traffic and... You know, it's just like having the you can only all travel day, you know? for two weeks this in for two weeks a year for four years. I'm like, what? Yeah, how's anybody that love travel going to handle that? Yeah, <laughs> like, years? and and especially you know when you're in your mid twenties, your friends are getting married, um, so in birthdays and um, you know, pregnancy. So of course you have to you you want to travel for those things. So even from a personal perspective, two weeks is burned quickly if you're just going to birthday weekends or baby showers or weddings or those sorts of things. And also, Jason, I would also like to talk about the shame too, right? So like to your point, the shame that you feel or the the secret shame, like I should be grateful, <laughs> you know, like I've actually battled for a year. Like, you're right. I should be grateful. I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm doing, you know, like you said, I, I ticked all the check boxes. Um, and so why am I depressed? Why do I have anxiety? Like I should be grateful for all of these things. So even battling, you know, my, my inner self about, um, like you said, what my soul wanted versus what society and your family and your friends want, because of course they love you. They want the best for you, but you know, what's best for yourself. And so, like you said, the gaslighting of, do I do all these things or should I stick with this lifestyle that's so great and comfortable in theory, or do I do the thing that my soul really wants me to do? And I picked, I guess the blue pill, <laughs> I think that's the right pill. Um, so I picked, you know, the other pill that was what my soul wanted. And by doing what my soul wanted, again, it opened up just a world that I didn't even think existed. Um, and so I would just say, pick the blue pill if you can, folks. <laughs> I think that's the right one. Don't quote me on the different pills, but. Yeah, I'm not sure which one it is, but I will say the blue one. That sounds okay. right to me. <laughs> sounds right, I think. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the US Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! 
To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why. We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. You picked the right word there, shame, right? I was just talking about this with a friend yesterday, It's um, but I hadn't thought of it with that specific word. I think that really describes it in, in terms of the the feelings one may feel within themselves, right? And, and again, this is not like, it's not like your friends and family meant to shame you or anything or, or these things. It's just, they just want the best for you. They love you. But a lot of people see these types of decisions as maybe threatening, risky. It might, it's <laughs> yes. not, maybe it's not, you know, you're going to, you know, my daughter's going to go off and travel by herself or, or whatever. My, you know, like my loved one, my friend, it, it's, worry and don't want anything to happen. And I think there's also that subset of people that they're cheerleaders, right? Like the ones that really get behind you and your friends. And then there are the ones that are jealous because it's not them doing it. And they're poo-pooing your decision because like in secretly they would love to do something like that, but maybe they don't have the guts to do it. Right. This is a, it's very true. Um, and, but one thing I can say, you know, for, for years before, um, me traveling turned into like an actual job, um, and, in the, started to monetize it, um, before that, you know, everyone was like, what? But once it turned into something where I could bring my family and friends along and they could actually see what this life was providing for me and how I changed in the, in the sense of being much happier, more, more joyful, um, much more talkative to them, you know, because I would be depressed or anxious and I didn't want to really talk long or I was irritable and all these things. Um, And then them being able to travel with me, right? Like, you know, I brought some friends to Iceland and they were like, I never thought about going to Iceland ever, but this was, you know, an amazing trip or being able to take, you know, my mom to Israel, which was like her dream destination, right? To see, you know, she's very spiritual. So, being able to see this like very spiritual and holy place and experience it. So it, 
it worked out for everyone in the end once they figured it out. Um, but definitely in the beginning, just battling the shame. And even while I was traveling and I was opening myself up and having such a beautiful time and meeting all these people, I felt bad for my family and friends that they still had to commute <laughs> every single day. Um, and here they are commuting. And here I am in Thailand drinking out of a coconut, you know, sitting on the beach, talking to someone who, you know, who's been living there for 20 years and just kind of getting insights on that. Right. So eventually I got through it, but it it was definitely a a long internal battle of trying to just kind of find that balance um, for me and recalibrating and really untangling um, all the programming (laughs) that, you know, we've been taught and indoctrinated with. Right. It sounds like everybody around you recalibrated too. They're like, all right, this is this is Rachel. This is how she wants to live her life. And, right. and we're gonna She's still that. surviving, she's still eating, like she seems cool. <laughs> <laughs> how was the backpacking experience when you first took off? Because I mean, had you traveled in that way before, as uh, sort of budget travel, backpack style travel through no. different countries? Or was that the first time you're like, Oh my god, all right, here I am. I'm in Southeast Asia, I got my backpack on. What was that like for you? It was a thousand percent of, oh, I'm in Asia with a backpack on, you know, Um, because remember before that I had this like six figure career. So I was used to, you know, the type of trips where you get your nice hotel and, you know, all of these things. Also, because I'm limited to two weeks a year, I couldn't really take these super long vacations as well, because, you know, if you go to wherever the flight is 11 hours. So you have to factor in like travel time and all of that. Um, But before that, my trips have been very much planned, um, very much, you know, these are the excursions we're doing. This is where we're eating for dinner, very regimented. Um, And so having a a transition to a travel style where all I had was a, a travel guide, like a Lonely Planet book and a backpack with, you know, 20 items in it. Like even from that perspective, I, again, I'm used to like being fashionable and all these things. So really untangling what I thought I needed, you know, because when we travel, especially as a woman, we have all our shoes and makeup and I'm sure, you know, all the things. Um, and so even untangling that and, you know, having a backpack was really different. Um, having no real set schedule, right? Because I, I just booked a one way. Um, so that was really different. Um, even from a, the perspective of traveling by myself and making friends, I've always been friendly, but I'm actually quite introverted. So even trying to um, practice this muscle of making friends and being more talkative and all these things, I actually had to like rewire and teach myself how to travel in a different way, how to let go of attachments, how to be vulnerable, how to um, make friends with different people from around the world. So it was definitely a transition, um, but a great transition nonetheless. But it did take some time to kind of be like, whoa, I'm legit in Asia (laughs) with a backpack. Like, and if something happens, like, what am I going to do type of thing? But it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to walk in your shoes in those two different, because, you know, business travel, like you said, what you're doing before is probably more about, Hey, we're staying at, you know, this really nice hotel. Right. We have our tour set up. 
yeah, you're getting paid. They're paying for all your stuff. And with that, it's kind of like you can get used to that. And also with with any job, I feel like it's it's almost impossible to not take on some of that as a part of your identity in some way. Absolutely. Right? So essentially, like landing in Southeast Asia with a backpack, you've stripped away that entire identity. That's gone. Nobody's even able to associate you with that because they don't know you from your, they you know. They don't know me. Yeah, it's just uh, you're just out in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And and let's also remember, I'm a black woman too, so I'm also a young black woman in Southeast Asia with a backpack by myself. So on top of that, there's this layer of wow, you're a black American woman, which you know it was never it was never an adverse experience, but even that was another layer because most of the other backpackers, and actually, I would say. I can even take away American. Most of the backpackers weren't American at all. Like I didn't meet very many Americans for the most part, actually. Most were Europeans or Australian or from other countries in Asia. So even from a cultural perspective, I didn't meet very many people from my home country. Um, And then on top of that, being a black woman, having this experience was also another layer of just, you know, sharing my culture and my experience being black in America and, you know, what that looks like as well. So it was just a really, really dope experience. Now that when I reflect back on it, I'm like, wow, that was so different. You know, something about solo travel is very special. Talked about it a lot on the show, just uh, how much you can learn about yourself and, and the world. Yeah. I feel like I have so many questions. Yeah, still let's around go. That trip. I never <laughs> get to the, well, we should get your advice on solo female travel yes. because that's something that I can't talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> what what is your advice or, around that? So, my greatest advice, and this is something my mother told me um, right before I left, but I think this this piece of advice saved me probably many times. But it's to, it's to listen to yourself. And I know that that is like so cliche, but I remember she said, even if there's like this little inkling, like a, a tinge, even if it's a micro millisecond that you feel that something is off, listen to it, right? Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, we, we want to do something and it doesn't have to be with travel. It could be with anything, right? Like we want to do it. And then we have like this split second of like hesitation, and then we're like, oh, no, nah, let me just brush it off when we do it anyway. And something happens that you don't want to happen. Because um, I used to be like that, like, oh, maybe I'm tripping. And remember, I was anxious and, and, had, and was depressed. So a lot of times I associated some of my intuitive triggers to me just being anxious, right? Or the anxiety of whatever I was doing. Um, and so even just taking that piece of advice of just, if it feels a little bit off, even if it's a, 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 a split second, don't do it. And by taking that advice, it saved me plenty of times, even, you know, meeting people, talking to people that, you know, they come off really friendly and then something they say just doesn't sit right, even if it's for a quick second. Um, and then just being like, okay, cool. It, it was nice meeting you and stepping away. And then other times, like I said, going to someone's wedding, riding with your cab driver, and now you're at someone's wedding, you know, like, so even just feeling, feeling through things. And I think as women, um, we have that natural ability. And so just leaning into that natural ability of following your intuition, listening and really trusting yourself, 
Um, and I think that's probably like the the greatest lesson I learned um, traveling solo. And I think most people may agree with this if they've traveled solo to a foreign land is to really trust yourself um, and, and trust that you know what to do. And that's my advice. <laughs> Just trust yourself. Yep. That can also take time, I feel, with you know, with getting the experience on the ground, right? You become a little more savvy as a traveler. And a lot of times, even when I travel now, when you land in a new country or place you've never been, maybe you're erring a little bit more on the side of being the on the defensive in some right. ways. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to like, you don't want to get stuck there though. You want to be open-minded so you can have these amazing experiences, but you also want to be safe. So there's, I, I love, I love your advice because it's, it does come down to the intuition, right? If you're able to kind of let all that go and just, um, listen and then to yourself, also is- I would say from as a woman too, being careful of how much information you share, I think that's probably like my second greatest advice because to your point, right? Like you want to be open and vulnerable and you want to chat with people and share your culture and, and your country and, and all these things you want to have lunch together and coffee and tea. But you also have to be careful with how much you share about traveling solo, right? Like sometimes people ask you, Oh, where are you staying? Oh, I'm staying at this, you know, like they, cause that's something that you, like you said, maybe it's like a muscle after a, a while, but just being able to say, you know, not share where you're staying, not sharing so much about that you're traveling solo for so long, right? Like um, something that I used to do was wear a wedding band. Um, and that would help me a lot of times, especially in countries where, you know, women aren't treated as equally as men. Um, I will always wear a wedding band. And of course, like understanding the culture of the place that you're going so you can make the best decision, right? So wearing a wedding band would keep a lot of people away because they would just assume I was married. Um, And if they ask questions, I would say, oh, you know, I'm waiting for my husband or for my partner. Um, So those sorts of things, just being really careful about what you're telling people um, and, and just giving them too much information about you especially now with the world being so crazy and, and trafficking being so big, just being careful with how much information you share up front. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, going back to something you said before, when, when you were kind of working through this process of untangling from your old life and, mm-hmm. and your old way of sort of traveling to this, this new life that you had, uh, an indefinite yes. trip on the road. What is your advice around that for somebody that's jumping from you know, quitting a job to all of a sudden there they are, boots on the grounds. Here I am. Uh, how do I kind of get settled or get recalibrated in this new travel life? Yeah, I, you know, that's such an interesting question because I didn't have a plan. And that's why I'm, I always say like it was the best and dumbest decision because I didn't <laughs> have a plan. My original plan was to travel for a few months, come back to the States, apply for jobs and continue on. Um, oh yeah, because you were gonna get it out of your system, like we all think we out. are, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna get it out of my system. I'm gonna come back home, and I'm gonna, you know, move to a, a like a city that I like, and start dating again, and you know, get married and have a kid. Just slip and right back into the regular status quo yeah, life, right? Exactly. No problem. <laughs> I just wanted to like jump out a little bit, get it out of my system, and then jump on back in and keep it moving. Um, and so I would say have a plan <laughs> for sure. Like don't do what I did and I have a plan. And sometimes we don't know what the plan is. Right. But I think if we, you know, sit down and reflect on 
not even what the plan is in the sense of what job do I want to have, but the plan of what lifestyle do I want to have? And to your point, Jason, like it was less about the work because I love the, the work. You know, I love working in tech and in marketing. I just didn't like the lifestyle around the job or around trying to what I had to do in order to maintain my life, which was I, I needed to work. Right. But I didn't want to have to um, deal with all the things around what it took for me to be secure within myself. Um, and so for me, I was looking more so what life, what, how can I enjoy life? How can I be present in life and still make sure I eat every day <laughs> that I have, you know, a, a place to say, right? So I would say, maybe start with the plan of what do you want your life to feel like? What makes you feel happy and excited to wake up and every morning? And for me, like that looked like, I want to be able to wake up wherever I want in the world open my laptop and be able to work from there, right? And when I want to go have lunch, I can go walk downstairs and have, you know, fresh fruit and fresh veggies and whatever that looks like and not spend a gazillion dollars like in the States for, you know, organic foods or whatever. So just thinking about like, what are those things that really make you happy? Um, is it more sunshine, right? If you, I'm from Florida, so I'm used to sun, right? And so, I wanted to be around more sun and, you know, just thinking about those things that really make you happy and building a life and a plan around that and then going from there. Cool. I love that. What are some of your more memorable travel experiences? I've been to, like you said, 70 plus countries or something like that. Are there a couple things that stand out that really, and maybe they're small moments as opposed to the bigger ones? I don't know. Uh, But some things that stand out when you kind of look back at your travels over the last years that you can see now, oh, this really changed me in this way, or this really made me feel a certain thing that stuck with me? Yeah. So a few things. Um, first, I'm going to tell a, a kind of funny story that your audience may not know. Um, so most Black people across the, the world we don't like cold. We don't like being in re- really cold environments. And by cold, I mean like snowing Arctic temperatures. And so I did a project with Norwegian Airlines where they sent us to the Arctic Circle in Finland. And the premise behind this trip is that they wanted to change the narrative behind um, travelers of color, right? So there were um, there was an Asian girl on a trip. There were um, Hispanic people on the trip. There were Black people on the trip. And historically, I'm assuming that I can only speak for for black people, but historically, we don't like these really cold environments. And so by changing the narrative, they put us in the Arctic Circle and we did all of these Arctic, you know, um, activities like uh, dog sledding, snowmobiling, um, ice fishing. Right. And it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life because these are all things that I never maybe not never wanted to do, but the idea of dog sledding in the Arctic Circle wasn't at like the top five or right, You're 10 from Florida. Things. I mean, you know. Yeah, like who wants to <laughs> It's not leave? top of minds, right? Exactly. I'm like, I'm in sunny Florida. There's pools everywhere. Who wants to go to the Arctic Circle and wear, you know, all, all of five layers of clothing and all of the, those things? But that was actually probably one of my favorite trips because it was just so fun. It was so different. Um, and we were really able to 
prove to the company through, you know, this press trip as an example that we can change the narrative because people were like, I never wanted, thought about going there, but this looks really cool. So that was something that really stood out. And another thing that really stood out is that I actually backpacked through Mongolia and that is actually one of my favorite trips too, because it was so different than anything that I've had ever seen in Asia, you know, just driving for six hours straight towards China, as an example, and not seeing anything for six hours, maybe a yurt here or there, a horse here or there, but not seeing civilization um, was super interesting or being able to pick up the, the skeleton of a dinosaur head as an example, that was like in a, a temple somewhere. I have a picture on my Instagram where I'm like holding the head of a dinosaur. Um, so that was like a really dope experience as well. There are so many, but those two definitely stand out as something so different than what I even saw my other friends doing. Um, and it was so much fun. It was um, so enlightening as well. So those are probably like two big ones that stand out for sure. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago. And immediately, I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever zero to travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. It sounds like you didn't start off being a quote unquote travel influencer or whatever you want to call it, like getting the Instagram thing going and all that stuff. And this sounds like it was, what you said, 2014, was it when you started yes. doing the Instagram thing? Yeah. So a lot has changed even in what is that, six years or whatever? Well, yeah, I mean, let's get into your expertise and talk about, I mean, just share a little bit about what you do and maybe we can get your expert advice around, you know, whether it's getting paid to travel or doing uh, something online that you can do from anywhere. Like you said, if somebody's listening and they're like, hey, I like what Rachel just said. I want to be able to be anywhere in the world and open my laptop and do something too. Well, you help people do that in a, in a specific way when I think high ticket digital offers is kind of your specialty, right? Yes. Let's kind of unpack yeah. some of that stuff. And sure. So to 
full disclaimer, I never wanted or set out to be a, an influencer, right? Actually, when I started, influencer wasn't a word. Um, it was just travel blogger. Um, and then as social media started to ramp up and there were, it was more than just filters and hashtags. It was, you know, these platforms are growing. Then influencer became a word. And again, I think I just, it was a timing thing, right? Like I started when, when social media as a, I guess as an industry at this point started to just being a, you were able to share a lot more um, in an open platform versus, you know, before on Facebook, if we weren't friends, then you really couldn't see what I was doing versus on Instagram at the time, you know, I can post and, and put a couple hashtags, people can click it. And now the world can see you and, and meet you and, and follow your journey. Right. Um, and so the way that I was able to, how I got here is again, because I had this marketing expertise. And at the time I had saved when I quit, I saved a, a ton of money. And I was like, this is how much I have to spend to travel. And once it runs out, then of course I'm going back to work. Um, but as I started traveling and meeting people who were like six years younger than me, making money online, I was like, hell no, you have to show me what you're doing, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I actually ended up meeting this young man. I'm still friends with him on Facebook. We we check in from time to time from Ireland. And he was like, oh yeah, you know, I have this internet, I work online. And that was kind of like the first time, because I had worked remotely before, but the idea of creating or taking your expertise, bringing it online and monetizing it was fairly a new concept. And I knew it was possible. I just didn't know how to get started. Um, and so again, like you said, just saying yes and just opening up to that allowed me to meet this young man who would then share, he actually shared his course with me. And because I had this tech and marketing experience, I was like, boom, I, I just kind of like blasted through it. And I, took that information. And, you know, with the travel blog, I realized that people not only wanted to follow my journey, but they also wanted to know how to do th this thing. And so from there, I started creating digital products like um, different travel guides that people could purchase from me. Like, hey, I'm, I'm in Thailand. I'm in Bali. Here's this guide that I created. I've done all these things. I can, you know, recommend them. And so that was kind of how I got started from there. Um, I got started with the consulting piece because, um, again, people wanted to know how to do it. And then brands also saw an opportunity to target travelers of color. And so being able to share my expertise from there. Um, and then eventually, once I decided after six years, I'm, this was fun, but I'm tired. Um, I wrote a book on how to be a travel influencer, um, which is actually on Amazon. And so, and, and what I was able to do is monetize a lot of my experience. Again, something that I didn't know was possible when I started, but meeting people and seeing that they were monetizing their experiences, monetizing their expertise in so many different industries, I knew that there was just a world of opportunity. And so that allowed me to transition to where I am now, where I feel like, you know, I've for six years, again, I've been to 70 plus countries. I've experienced so many different things. I'm kind of on the, I'm ready to just sit down and sit in a rocking chair type of thing. <laughs> like I'm not that old, but I kind of <laughs> feel like 
that was fun. I want other people to experience this as well. And even today, I still get paid. I still get passive income from things I created five years ago. You know, so with that being said, I want want to help other travel influencers, other travel agencies, travel organizations have that same sort of experience. Um, and so that's why I transitioned into helping them launch high ticket digital products because on the high ticket end, you it will allow you to have the lifestyle that you deserve, right? If that looks like, you know, living wherever and opening your laptop and then also being able to, you know, build your authority and credibility as the brand. Um, on top of that, being able to serve more of your audience, right? Because it's only one of you and we only have X amount of hours in a day and you can't like serve an audience of thousands with just one person. So I just was like, hey, I've done it. And it wasn't that difficult for me to do. And if I can do it, I know I can teach others to do it. And that's kind of how I ended up on this end. Um, And I just think it's, and, and especially now in this very interesting world that we're in or how the world is today, um, being able to create something that's passive, especially because we can't interact as easily right now. We can't travel as easily right now. So being able to create something that's digital, um, especially because we are moving into a digital world, you know, we're not in offices anymore, those sorts of things. We're not going to travel conferences and trade shows and those sorts of things. It's much easier and it makes more sense to, again, bring your expertise to a digital place and be able to share from there until the world opens back up. I love that your journey to online business started offline by just meeting yes. somebody in person when you were traveling. Yes. <laughs> I was like, That's wait so a minute, great. what now? And I literally was like, no, you, I, I need to sit with you and you have to show me whatever you're talking about. And he was like, oh yeah, cool. And so even, even from there, again, I'm quite introverted. Um, and I probably wouldn't have, you know, even said that to him, but I was like, no, I need to figure this thing out. Um, and you know, just again, stretching yourself, untangling all of your old beliefs will allow you to just open up to things that you just never knew was out there. I love like what you talked about, which is when you do things digitally, you can scale it, right? There's only one of you, but then you can make a bigger impact and that's super exciting. But what I don't like about it is doing a lot of computer work. Yes. <laughs> Being on the screen a lot, yes. you know, which is why I love podcasting because I get to sit here and have an awesome conversation and that's fun like we're doing now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that can be a struggle. I'm not sure if it is is for you. I, I would love to speak to that. So um, I actually have a quiz on my site called it's Rachel Travel, rachelvhill.com slash quiz. But on the quiz, and this is about launch styles, like how you would launch your digital products. But to your point, like you said, I actually don't like going live every day. I don't like um, necessarily um, maybe being on video or not that I hate video, but to your point, I like to talk. I like podcasting and it works for my lifestyle. Like you said, you can record a ton of podcasts and have it scheduled out and you're able to do the work one time and then you're able to move on. Right. Um, some people actually like, you know, to go live, turn on their, their phone and just start talking from their toilet, right? Whatever that looks like. And then there's those people in the middle who are a, a hybrid of both. 
Um, and or you have people who are extremely introverted who may not even want to talk, but they're just really good with they want to just send emails or do text message marketing. So to your point, it doesn't you don't necessarily have to be this super extroverted person and, and bubbly personality in order to to do anything or even super tech savvy, um, especially now with sites like Upwork and Fiverr and I think it's like people per hour. There are so many different platforms now where you can actually outsource people to do a lot of the the hard things, the technical things that you don't like to do for you. And I'm also a huge fan of that. And that's what I also like to share that, again, we are in such a global world. And when you start to travel, you can you really start to see how small the world is um, and how much is available to you. Um, And so to your point, you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. I'm always like, do what makes you comfortable. And if that looks like podcasting because you don't want to go live, then absolutely, you know. That's a great point. I think just uh, matching whatever you do to your personality and mm-hmm. and your audience will follow, right? You know. I think so. Yeah. I, d- I definitely do. I can tell you cuz I tried the blogging thing a bit more and I've never really tried the YouTube thing, but I think I've been doing the podcast for so long just because it's like all of the reasons you describe. It just matches with what I enjoy and therefore it's not about the opportunity of podcasting or anything like that. I mean, I started this a long time ago. Uh, it's more about like, hey, this is this matches with my daily lifestyle that I want to have, and and uh, also allows me to make the impact that I want. So it's it's cool. I mean, the power of what you can do digitally now—it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and if you enjoy doing it, you'll be consistent with it, right? I think sometimes people assume, oh, I, I need to be on social media. I have to post on Instagram every day, even when they hate it. And I'm like, if you don't like posting on social media, or if you don't like going live, if, if it make gives you anxiety, or if you feel overwhelmed or burnt out, then don't do it. If, if you can't, if you don't find joining it, you won't be consistent. And you have to be consistent if you want to grow a brand in order to build momentum. And so again, I think if you find what you really enjoy doing, you can be consistent, you can build momentum and your brand will grow so much faster than by doing what you think you're supposed to do um, because everyone else is doing. Or like you said, the opportunity is, you know, TikTok or the opportunity is, you know, YouTube video or whatever that looks like. Right. And going back to the whole influencer thing, do you think, because I know you kind of transitioned a bit to this high ticket digital offer. Is that because, do you think that the, that sort of model is dying in some ways that that's not going to be a, a really a thing anymore where people get a bunch of followers on Instagram and just post good pictures and it, no, in, you in, know, that, in that terms of that model, or is that like going to blow up even more? You know, at one point I, I remember, you know, again, I feel like I'm an OG in the game, right? Like when I started, right, right. it wasn't a that's thing. We've been doing this for a while. So I'm yeah. curious. To, yeah. So the trend, I think it's kind of like one of those things where it's um, a, a bit cyclical, right? Or like a roller coaster. Because when I started, everyone was like, oh, influencers, this looks cool that you're able to travel. And then I remember at one point, influencer kind of became this bad word at one point. Like, oh, these influencers are scamming these restaurants and these hotels and all they want to do is get free nights and da, da, da. 
And then now I'm seeing an, another incline, especially now that, you know, we've been quarantined for a year in a lot of destinations and, and brands in general, right? Again, we're not out in and about, we're not in stores, we're not, you know, inter- interacting in real time for the most part. So what are we doing? We're at home, we're on social media, we're over consuming content. And so with the overconsumption of content, brands have to figure out how do I still get in front of these people who are scrolling all day because they're home all day. They're not commuting anymore. They're not in an office anymore. So I've, I think um, in the last year and a half, I've seen the, the influencer thing rising again. Um, and maybe it'll look different, right? I think now brands and companies are understanding how to utilize influencers more from a perspective of data and analytics and metrics and what they need to measure and, you know, all of those things. And even from a follower perspective, you know, there used to be this notion of I have to get a million followers in order to, you know, get paid and get paid these big bucks and all of that. And now their brands want to work with nano influencers and micro influence, um, excuse me, yeah, micro influencers. So people with smaller audiences, but more engaged audiences, right? Because when you look at a, an influencer who has maybe a half a million followers and the, the percentage of engagement that they get isn't as high as the person with 3,000 followers because these people feel like she's more relatable, right? Like she isn't some famous influencer. Um, she could be my friend. She could be my neighbor. Um, any, any of those things, right? So brands are leaning more towards those type of influencers that have a greater impact to smaller audiences versus trying to, you know, utilize these bigger influencers with this wider net, but not catching the quality fish, if that makes sense. I know we're coming to the end here. I got one more question. What is your best advice for creating a life of travel? Mm. I think, again, it's really defining what makes you happy and what that looks like. So for me, um, the way that I was able to define it is, and and it changes, right? Because at one point I was very happy for six years, just traveling all over. Um, I've had a home, but it was on Airbnb. So I kind of didn't have a home because every time I would come home, it was booked. Um, And even that started to get exhausting, right? So I think, you know, at one point, if you want to just be able to do the digital nomad thing and travel, you know, um, whether it's slow travel, you know, you stay someplace for a month or two or three and then move on, or you want to stay someplace for a month and continue to move on, just evaluate that. And now for me, I'm more interested in having a home base, like just sitting somewhere still and being able to sleep in my, in my bed, um, more often than not. Um, and then being able to travel and come back. So I think it changes, but you really have to sit down and decide, you know, where you are in your life, what makes the most sense. Because when I was doing that, again, I was young and crazy and, you know, I wasn't interested in anything to tie me down. And now that I'm a little bit older, I've gotten a lot of it out of my system. I can now sit down and say, oh, you know what? I'm I'm okay with, you know, having an apartment and sitting here and not traveling for a month or two. But when I do go, you know, I can go for a few weeks. 
um, see all the things and again, come back and sleep in my bed, you know, go to my nail shop, go to my grocery store, you know, those sorts of things. So things change, right? But just figuring out what works in, in that moment and making a plan from there. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, if you want to share where everybody can find you again, I know we dropped a couple of the sites and I, I you have a sure. podcast as well. So feel free to share whatever <laughs> you'd like here. Yeah. <laughs> so you can follow me at Rachel V Hill on Instagram. Um, and then also rachelvhill.com is my website. That's kind of like my catch all there. So you can find my books. You can um, also navigate to the travel blog. And then I have a podcast called the Marketing War Room Podcast. So less than 10 minute um, episodes on how to elevate your marketing, especially as an influencer or a travel brand. So yeah, that's me. Um, I would love to connect with you all online. So yeah, please feel free to reach out. And thank you so much for having me here, Jason. I really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, me too. I'm glad that you reached out to me. So thank you. (laughs) It was a pleasure. I hope we can do it again at at some point. And, uh, you know, in person would be even better. So yes, when the world opens back up, we have to have coffee or something. Yes. And I hope we can stay in touch. And uh, thank you so much for your time and for just giving us so much value today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. you have it. Thank you once again to Rachel for stopping by the show, sharing her thoughts and her perspectives on travel, online business, choosing travel, uh, everything. There was so much in that chat and uh, I just really enjoyed having it and then listening back to it again and getting to bring it to you here in this episode. Don't forget to get in touch, please. You can always reach me via email, jason at zero to travel.com. And in the show notes, I also leave a link to a place where you can leave me a voice message really easily, a 90-second voice message or less, (laughs) whatever. You just click on the link, click a button, and talk. It's that easy. Come on, I want to hear from y'all. I love to hear from y'all. So please, get in touch. Give me some feedback. Let me know if you have particular guests you want me to bring on the show. Just tell me your story. Introduce yourself. Say hi. Let me know what you're doing. If you're watching a sunset somewhere, you know, we can maybe put some of that on the podcast as well. Inspire the community, share some tips, whatever. doesn't matter. Just drop a message in there. Let me know or shoot me an email. I read them all. And I want to give a couple shout outs here to some people in the community. First of all, Nina, thank you for the five-star review. Said, I love this podcast. One of my favorite travel podcasts because it's helped me think of travel differently. I've always wanted to take a sabbatical, but never considered the transition to travel and how much preparation goes into traveling full-time. The episodes on transition to travel make my sabbatical dream seem much more realistic. I cannot wait to quit my nine to five someday. (laughs) Double exclamation point. Thanks, Nina. I I really wanted to highlight that because I love the end there. She said, I can't wait to quit my nine to five someday. She's setting that intention and that's exciting. So, hey, you know, even if it's in a review or it's something you write down in your notebook or wherever, just writing something like that down, putting it out to the universe. I really believe there's power in that. So right on, Nina. Well done. And please let me know when you quit that nine to five. I'd like to hear that story. Also want to say thanks to Jennifer. She dropped me a line about a recent episode we did on Australia. She's actually from Australia. She said, I'm an Australian living in Australia. I'm very interested in our indigenous culture. Really love how indigenous tourism is starting to take off in this country as it should be. These guides had such unique knowledge and point things out none of us knew about. 
She went on to say that this particular podcast episode on people in my own country has totally blown me away. Thanks for doing what you do, encouraging people to explore further with greater understanding. So that was really nice to hear. She referenced some of the stuff in the interview as well. And yeah, I, I mean, that's great. I love that I was able to do something about a particular destination or a country that made an impact on somebody that actually lives there. That's really cool. And yeah, if you want more destination episodes, let me know. I kind of shy away from them because a lot of podcasts out there cover the destinations and you know what we do here, but I love talking about travel and destinations. We always weave destinations into these interviews, as you know, but if you want more destination specific type of stuff like we did with Australia, I can cover destinations all over the world. That'd be a lot of fun. Just let me know. Happy to do that for you. So anyway, thanks for the email, Jennifer. And hey, thanks for listening. One thing I did mention wanting to touch on is this idea of not knowing what you're going to do when you grow up, but you're grown up. <laughs> I've certainly done that myself. I've said those words. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up and I'm grown up. Well, if you've ever said that or if you're saying that to yourself right now, my thought on it is that that's totally okay. <laughs> I think it's a good thing, in fact, when we question what we're doing instead of just kind of going through the motions all the time. It's okay. I think it just means that we're questioning things, maybe about to make a transition or considering one, you know? And why shouldn't we have multiple things we do when we grow up if that's the way we want to live, right? What's wrong with that? I think this idea idea or this notion that, you know, kids should have to pick what they want to be when they grow up and then somehow stick to that. I know there are some people that do that and maybe they just have that personality or I don't know, the nature versus nurture thing. I, I think of people I've known from my past that it just seems like they always knew they wanted to be a doctor or whatever. And then they, they end up being doctors and then they do that their whole lives. And <laughs> that's always impressive and surprising to me. It's like, how did you no, how did you, did you, do you have everything figured out or something? Uh, I, I'm, I'm growing up, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. And in some ways that that's still the case, but uh, this goes back to uh, an episode, it reminds me of an episode I recorded recently with Jeff Harry, who's been on the podcast about rediscovering your play. And in some ways, isn't, isn't that question of what am I going to be when I grow, when I grow up and you're grown up really just about play and exploration, whether it's just a mental thought experiment or a way of considering future options, potential options, or a way of opening yourself up to a new career. You know, life is short, but it's also long, right? I think about all the different sort of careers I've had through my lifetime, and I don't know how many other ones I'll have if I'll end up doing something totally different at some point. It's a total possibility. And to me, that's exciting. That's exciting. So don't get down if you <laughs> don't know what you want to be when you grow up and you're grown up because that can be a good thing, I think. It could be a good opportunity. So there you go. I'm giving you the thumbs up. Let me leave you with this quote from Rebindranath Tagore who said, the one who plants trees knowing he will never sit in their shade has at least started to understand the meaning of life. Thank you for hanging out with me today. Smile, have a wonderful day. I'll see you next time. Peace and love. 
This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 